Hello and welcome to this edition of the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. The Oregon Wine History Archive is located at Linfield University in McMinnville, Oregon, and is dedicated to preserving and sharing the Oregon wine story. This podcast will share these stories through oral history interviews that we've conducted throughout the industry. Please enjoy these stories. All right, my name is Rich Schmidt. I'm here with Luke and Emily DeHare. We're at Gemini Vineyards. It's August 12, 2020. Thank you both so much for joining us today. You're welcome. Uh, first question for you to get us started. Uh, why grapes? Uh, yeah, it's a fair question, obviously. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I think we're both very avid uh, samplers of the product for a long time. Uh, but I think the big driver over the years has been wanting to sort of get out on property uh, and do something with that property. Uh, we looked at several uh, around the area, um, you know, uh, nut farming, everything like that. I think, um, and then, you know, I think we were just, we were drawn to the industry through contacts we have, through, I guess, you mm-hmm. know, the notion of wine itself. And then, uh yeah, and then we just sort of fell into it. It wasn't not not through. I think it was a lack. Uh, there was definitely a drive to not do grapes because we felt like we liked the product so much. But uh, and, and we it, also knew very little about kind of well that it, it, what it took to yeah get into it. But uh, yeah, I think it, then it just naturally we just sort of fell into it, and uh, and then just you know the people we know and the already knew in the industry. You know, um, I wouldn't you know would definitely. You know, involved enough to have enough contacts and people that sort of help you know uh, cushion the drive as we moved into it so so take us tell us about about your kind of pre-wine life and pre-grape life uh, uh, what, growing up where you're born and, and then kind of how you met um, I'm from Portland so I um, grew up out 26 area and um, I'm from a big family. I have three sisters and um, my grandparents always were on uh, acreage growing up. So I feel like I'm a little bit of a country girl at heart, but um, we love doing that and uh, going out on camping adventures. Um, So I've always been kind of an outdoorsy person. Um, And um, I went to Oregon State. I have a background in um, public health. Got my master's degree there and Um, I did a lot of uh, community or public health policy work for the last seven years before we had our boys. Um, And Luke and I met uh, at an 80s bar (laughs) Um, at an 80s dance night or something. We both were just randomly out with, I was out with my sister and her friends and he was celebrating um, passing a work um, certification test. He was working in Abu Dhabi at the time, United Arab Emirates, and the certification test was randomly in Portland. (laughs) And um, we met that night and then uh, just went back and traveled back and forth for a couple years, or a year, I guess. And then I moved to Australia after um, grad school. And I lived there for a year and renovated his house and we traveled around and did some random things, over random adventures over there. Met his family, hung out there for a while. And then um, I got tired of the humidity <laughs> <laughs> and I drug him back here. Yeah. So yeah, I think, uh, what else? Uh, obviously Australian, uh, undergrad in marine biology, uh, based in uh, Tasmania, which really was my first foray into uh, Pinot, to another sort of world uh, Pinot region. Um, so that's really sort of got us into the varieties that we sort of face today. So very, very similar climate and everything like that. So I was there for 10 years and, uh, uh, the company I'm with, um, is an Australian company. Uh, we're based here, uh, as well in the U S uh, the company. So, and then it's, uh, you know, more into the environmental engineering world. So, um, I've been fortunate enough to work all around the world, you know, right, you know, Africa, you know, Europe. Uh, Asia, New Guinea, you know, and then, you know, different stints in different places. So, uh, but it's great, you know, moving here to Oregon, it uh, definitely feels like home. So it's great to, we all put down roots and raise a family here. So as you're, at what point did the, the idea of 
farming, of, of starting this, like you talked about earlier, what, what point did that become part of the conversation? Was that what drove you back to Oregon, or was that once you were once you were here? I think once we were here, yeah, we, we, mm -hmm. we sort of settled and like, uh, yeah, we had property on the coast and different things like that. And, you know, I think we just, you know, both, you know, I, I grew up on acreage and I've done a lot of different farming, whether it's sort of more on the sort of ocean farming with agriculture uh, uh, or, you know, cereals and uh, sheep and everything like that. But, um, you know, I think just the notion to be on land, feel like you sort of can do something. And then, you know, as, as we sort of gravitated to, with you know having children, that we felt that there was a real need that they need to sort of be on be on something where they can get their hands dirty and do a little more too. Tell me about this place and, and finding it, and what 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 why you wanted to be here. Uh, so we embarked, uh, like I said, is that we looked at a lot of different properties. You know, we started you know looking you know whether it was walnuts or. Hazelnuts. Uh, hazelnuts or all uh, other sort of different type of ventures but uh you know we we actually were very close on another uh vineyard uh that was sort of out of gaston uh you know closer to elk cove uh, and it was a big property it was about 60 acres um and it had the full blown component winery the whole lot and uh uh so we we were i think you know maybe two days short of closing that deal uh we we're all lined up ready to go um and uh, yeah, our good friend, uh, David Page, uh, who uh, was also on a venture looking for properties at the same time, uh, rang me up and said, you should, you should have a look at this place. And so uh, <laughs> I quickly, we, uh, that same day, I quickly rang Emily and I said, look, uh, this has come up. And, you know, and considering we were so imminently closing on the other one and it was a lot of work being a full commercial venture, um, it was like, really, do we want to look at another property? And uh, uh, so I said, sure, uh, you know, this is it. And uh, uh, so we met out here and, uh, you know, there's a, and then everything sort of joined together. Like once we, you know, the site, we, we love this area. We have done for a long time and uh, that was great. Um, you know, uh, the original homestead, which, you know, we're sitting here today, uh, it was already sort of partially underway. It was going to be a winery originally, um, but it was, you know, it was just a shell. So that was great. Um, and then the vineyard uh, was owned originally by Dale Hatfield and started by Dale Hatfield. Um, 1995. Nine, okay. The original grapes were planted in 95. And we connected really well with Dale uh, and uh, just the whole sort of story and his philosophy of how he started it. And then, uh, you know, the final kicker, you know, Dale had named the, the, the uh, property Gemini Vineyards. And... Uh, you know, I, I, for me, I think it was it wasn't until that night that it finally dawned on my head that like, you know, Gemini Vineyards being twins and and we have twin boys, so I was focused on the economics and you know the site itself, and then it, it just seemed there was a number of things. So, uh, and then I think you know other peripheral pieces being, um, you know, Dale is a great friend with uh, with Jim Prosser. Uh, they went to school together, and uh, Jim's been a big advocate and and has purchased this fruit since uh, two thousand, since like the first harvest. Uh, I've been I mean, Jim. We became connected with Jim and been friends with him for ten years. So, you know, there was just like that again that cushion of you know people we knew, people we trusted, uh, who've developed and could speak for the place mm -hmm. and and what had been done for it. So. Um, uh, we just felt a lot of confidence here. So, yeah, well, as I said, we were in that contract and working with that other property. Uh, so we had to quickly do a 180 and... Very quickly for me. <laughs> it was like... So, uh, yeah, and we never looked back. So once we got here and uh, so we did that uh, late 2018 mm -hmm. uh, and took everything over right from the get-go and have been going ever since. And for me, I was... I was really excited about the other property, but not as excited as I should have been. And I was really trying to get it, you know, talk it up in my head. And so, you know, I was, I had a lot more convincing to do in my brain than I think Luke did. And so it was kind of a work in progress for me. And then Luke, so I had done all that work to like get really excited. And then Luke called me and he's like, Dave said, we need to come see a new property. And I was just like, Dave, how could you? But anyway, so I, and when the, our uh, twins were little, they were um, one in a bit and one of them really struggled to sleep or to nap. And so I, uh, we lived about 10 minutes from here and I just randomly found this road one day and I would, 
do the loop from our house. It was about 45 minutes, so I did that um, a couple of times to help them sleep sometimes. So I happened upon this road and I loved it. It was my favorite. So I um, drove past here several times and I always looked at the house because we watched it um, being built and developed. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we didn't exactly know what property it was that Dave um, was showing us. He just said, uh, show up at this address. So when I pulled up, I, Lou could see it in my face and he's just like, play it cool. But I, it was already done for me. I was like, that's it. You know, this is the one for us. So it was very minimal convincing for me. Um, Cause it just, you know, when you feel, you know, you hit that spot where it's like, this is your paradise and you know it. So that's how it was for me. Tell me about the, the 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 vineyard as you as you kind of as you found it and what what shape it was in and, and what you kind of saw as you looked at it for what what you could do next. Yeah, I think uh, so. Uh, the the site we we, we currently manage today um, is a blend of two sites. Uh, so part of uh, it was um, the block we're sitting on here, which is a, a full twenty acres, and then there's a ten acre block over there. Uh, so um, uh, we had to uh, part of the the work was to sort of get it all subdivided and put it all together as one. Um, so, uh, you know, our property, well, not, not a large one, like 26 acres, and then and we have about 15 acres under blind. Um, when we purchased, it was only 11, um, and, and it was under underway. Like, the original um, five acres would have been uh, planted in 95, uh, and then another six added after then. And, um, so it, I, I mean to say, what condition it was in? Dale was was great, it was meticulous, and uh, uh, and left a legacy that you know to try and pick it up and keep moving along was great. You know, I think um, we were very fortunate. Whereas some of the other properties that we had to look at. Uh, Sorry for the bulldog <laughs> underneath. <laughs> Just making yourself at home there. That's right. Other properties like this, uh, I think this one, uh, well, there was elements to definitely pick up and work on. It, it definitely wasn't that sort of, uh, you know, having to retrofit it or anything, which, you know, again, some of the other properties we had that had definitely had a large amount of that work to do, which, you know, definitely like, uh, you know, I, we were up for the challenge, but like, you know, trying to raise a family, kick off a vineyard, uh, you know, keep some other sort of, uh, Business-related items moving too, as much as I So, I think we felt really comfortable with like the mm -hmm. size of it, um, and then and, you know, and it, it, it had that opportunity and real need for that bit of expansion. And luckily, um, the vineyard manager Victor agreed to stay on with us. He took a big leap of faith in us, which was huge, um, and he keeps this place. Immaculate. He is a perfectionist and he knows exactly kind of what should be happening when really keeps us on track. Um, so luckily he agreed to stay with us and um, he knows every row. I mean, he's awesome. So he, we were so thankful to um, have him come with us and join our small team. And he really keeps, keeps it into great shape. I'm curious about learning, was there anything about grape farming uh, that surprised you or that you had to learn? Did we pretty much able to pick it up from day one or were there things about this, this job or this vineyard that, that took a while to learn? Yeah, I think it's always uh, evolving. Like, you know, I think, um, you know, getting into the field like this, so the, one of the unique things about the property here is a Scott, it uses a, a trellis system called Scott Henry, um, which, I mean, I wouldn't say it's that unique, but, you know, it's not it's not as common as uh, the VSP system, mm -hmm. uh, for instance. So, uh, so you know, advice and drive, like, you know, talking about that, like, there's not as that many people to go to, to and be able to lean off. And, and I think, um, and then, you know, a lot of literature and a lot of the sort of basic uh, information out there isn't driven towards the Scott Henry system. Uh, so there definitely was a, a, an uptick in trying to figure out how best to farm that, when to do it, how to do it. Um, but, but like, as I, I'm sure, like, you know, finding with, you know, you talk to enough people in the industry, the information is great. Like, people are very, very sharing, um, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. which, you know, is indeed a huge plus when you go take on what we have, that people will share information. Mm -hmm. and, 
you know what they've learned and what works for them and what doesn't so um so yeah it wasn't i mean it, it wasn't a huge swing for us but uh, yeah definitely and i'm you know i'd love to say oh, i know what i'm doing um but we're <laughs> learning all the time you know what i mean and and the seasons are changing and doing all that so uh yeah i, I think um we're still figuring a few things out but but at the same time i think we've got the main gist of driving things along and luke's been really awesome about i mean we we took on all the machinery and tractors and um some of them are creations that dale came up with and um which work awesome but it's more like we you know we have to learn how to use it and uh, i think he had like one or two sessions with dale where he handed him the keys and he said this does this and um and he just really had to roll with it because we started on january 1 and um a little trial and error but i think that was something that i was really impressed about was you know obviously he grew up um he grew up with um his dad being a surveyor he was on a lot of machinery and tractor work but uh you know it, it's definitely something you just have to learn quickly and um for me i i wasn't so much about the tractor work although i do love there's something about getting in the tractor and just like cruising through, which is awesome. Um, but I was, uh, I like to talk to Victor a lot because he just, uh, he's very simple about explaining things. And I ask him a lot of questions and sometimes he looks at me and he's like, I don't know why, that's just what we do. But um, he's really great about explaining um, sort of what Dale did in the past and why, even if it's not the typically conventional way to do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But um, I think you'd agree we are continuously learning new things and seeing how you know the weather changes um every little step of the process but continuous process yeah i mean i think again like with enough fun like you know uh dave mnemonic at aloro up the hill there you know when we talk to dave he comes down here it's even though we're, like i mean what are we less than a mile apart maybe uh but it's different for him mm -hmm. you know what i mean different and so while we're pretty well much on the same side like uh this you know each, each side's really unique and trying to feel what, what what works best for that side and how to get the best out of it in that particular season mm -hmm. trial and error is kind of kind of difficult when you're doing a what you know an yeah. annual crop so mm -hmm. tell me about that tell me about how you how you kind of make it work where you have to produce a product each year but also have to kind of yeah, I, I, look, I, I think like a lot of people like trying to do that bit of risk management. Um, so, you know, there's some things that you, you'll leverage and you think, look, we'll, we'll, we'll push it hard. Or, you know, there's some things where we'll, look, we might just have to just investigate a few rows this year and just yeah. and try and measure that out of that. Um, so, yeah, the, 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 there's trial and error, but like, you know, again, like you, you know, you make promises to people at the beginning of the season and you have to come through mm -hmm. and you can't really, you know, say, sorry, I didn't, you know, my, my assumption didn't work this year. <laughs> so, uh, uh, and I think that's the good thing about trying to do a bit more expansion, just to give us a little bit more headroom to, mm -hmm. to, to try some things. Um, uh, but yeah, the, I think some of the trial there, like that, like we see in the future, more comes around. So the, the whole labor component, like how do you, how do you, grow and then you know try and keep your labor at a certain level so like you know i think we're focused a lot on the automation component um and seeing where we can take that i'll come back to that because i have a question about yeah. that but I'm, I'm curious how would you describe sort of your farming philosophy at this point what kind of farming style or technique yeah I, I, i'd love to sit there and say we're we're, we're full organic I, I i mean and one day I, I think we would hope to be we had, you know uh it didn't the farm didn't start out that way um and we're sort of trying to get ourselves towards that component whether we can reach that or not it'll be interesting it's hard like the scott henry system uh, it's a it's a lot higher higher yielding uh, mm -hmm. system so you know with the higher yields comes a few other pressures and dynamics that you know going a full organic may or may not be possible um but you know i, I think definitely you know we, we really try to embrace the sustainability i think mm -hmm. we we try to um you know we're working towards we're still only being here a few years to, to sort of be a little bit more uh, holistic you know when you know we hope to bring some sheep onto the property doing things like that where you know it, it's a it, it you know we can sort of bend into the cycle But one aspect that we brought in this year was, um, and it's minor, but it's still kind of in that philosophy of sustainability. You know, growing up in Queensland, Australia, water is not a 
in abundance like it is here. So the first thing we uh, Luke wanted to do was we put in was it a couple of 500 or 5,000 gallon tanks? Yeah, we're trying to do rainwater harvesting. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're dry land, so mm -hmm. we're not irrig you know, we don't irrigate. Um, it, yet, you know, we young vines necessitate some level of irrigation, but that's all done by hand. And, uh, so, trying to be pretty water conscious. Uh, what uh, just for just for, just for the record, what, what was what was planted that you took over here? What 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 varietals were here, and what are you doing as you expand? Okay, uh, sure. The the uh, the old blocks were put in ninety uh, five uh, were uh, pomade, hmm? um, uh, own rooted, uh, and then also uh, pinot gris. Um, so that were the original uh, blocks planted in ninety five. Uh, then. Um, uh, 2014, uh, we they expanded into um, really it's called the you know, which when I said the mescal method, uh, Louisa Ponzi definitely is a large fan of the, the type of method. So uh, which really a, a blend of uh, Maidensville, um, Pomade, Triple uh, Seven, and One One Five, and uh, that's the, which was the block behind us as well, uh, and then uh, uh, Chardonnay as well. Uh, and then, uh, so the new blocks, we, we, we've added addition, some additional pomade. Uh, that's, uh, again, I think with the with the the, the, the older blocks being own rooted was a little bit of an insurance policy. So uh, we've gone to the grafted, uh, uh, and um, and uh, it's also you know it's a it's a variety uh, clone that does really well uh, in this this soil type. And then we've added triple uh, seven and uh, 667, I mean, sorry, 115 and 667. Uh, and then next, you know, in this fall, we'll put in Gamay. Mm -hmm. And we'll add uh, some additional Chardonnay, some 96. As you're making those kind of expansion decisions, are you, is it, is it things you want to plant and grow, or is it things that people are asking you to plant and grow? How are you making it's those? A, it's a bit of both. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, for us, like, we're, we're, we're not, like, obviously, we're not a winery. We, we don't, uh, and at, at, at this point in time, and I'd say uh, we, we don't in, we don't care to put a winery on here. Um, we we think there's some fantastic facilities out there that we'd rather if we're going to make wine, and also you know people who really are good at doing it. <laughs> uh, so partnering with them. So uh, I think that would be if we you know driving us you know we may you know we will develop and and uh, make some uh, some wine off the site, but really our focus is is growing. And, and, and continuing to support yeah, Ponzi and JK Carrier and that who, who they have done for the last 20 years. I know that you're, as you grow, you're gonna have, obviously you're gonna have an expanded customer base in terms of people buying, buying goods from you and, and as you're planting different things that are more appealing. Tell me about, you mentioned kind of the relationships you had coming into the industry and some of those kind of safety net kind of, tell me about building relationships with, with people who wanna buy your grapes and, and what, how that works in terms of what you offer versus what they're asking for. Uh, how much of it is, are you looking for a certain person to make wines from these grapes? What part of it is, are they looking for you? And how do you kind of build those relationships and make them last into the future? Yeah, I think that, that's a great point. I think uh, I, I think a big philosophy that uh, we have, and uh, like it, it is relationships. Like, you know, I think everyone talks about contracts and everything, but I mean, you know, Contracts are only worth the paper they're printed on. Like, you know, we're all, no, I, you know, I haven't heard, though I'm definitely sure there has been, you know, people going to court or legal battles over someone either providing too many grapes or not enough grapes or not at the right time. So uh, it's definitely relationship driven. And so I think the philosophy we have is how do we, you know, do what we need to do as a grower and, and try and uh, be sustainable and profitable, but also like, you know, the, the end the end client really saying what do you want how do you want it uh, and and bend that into our overall program um, you know uh, you know with some of the newer you know we, we, there's definitely it, you know we've got you know people like Ponzi and JK Carrier definitely I'd say you know industry legends that you know are, are up there and then you've got people who are new on the scene trying to do something different and and, and I think that variety is good I think it helps us sort of support sort of the, the old guard that that's tried and tested and no, you know and then people who are trying a few different things and actually you know mixing up with a different clientele as well i think also just to um i think really dale set a big foundation about 
Pinot Noir and who his clients are. And I think that's all really important for us to continue. I mean, that was really the basis of it. Um, it still is, and it probably will be. And I think that's important to kind of continue that. Um, just because that's that is the history of Gemini, and we're we also are really proud of that. I think, but I also think it's um, it's going to be a little bit. There's some room to have some adventures with because we took it on and we're uh, making it our own. And I think putting in Gamay or you know we've talked about a couple of um, you know we have a little bit of room to add in. Um, so we're debating about what we put in because we do want to create some of our own. Yeah, it'd be great to do something fun. Yeah. Like, you know, like a, like a musket or a Riesling or something. Yeah, who knows what we can do. But like, that would be nice to have, be able to have some sort of headway and to be able to play with something, you know what I mean? Um, instead of just so focused on, you know, this is what we need to do year in, year out. But the game will be a good, interesting experience. I mean, like, it's, you know, like, you know, there's a few that, it's been in the valley for quite some time, but, like, it's still, it's a fun varietal. So... Uh, definitely like like Ian, you know Ian and then uh, Love and Squalor like uh, both of those uh, you know we support as well and they they're, they're both you know some of the the younger folks that are trying to sort of really push forward with the gamay market which will be interesting to see where it gets to. See, obviously, obviously the high demand right now. You know, no, no it's it's, it's, it's definitely a buzz. Like I think uh, <laughs> you know who knows by the time we get it into growing like no one might want it. By the time we actually get fruit out of it four yeah. years from now. But it, it seems uh, it's pretty versatile. It seems what people are doing with it. So uh, we'll see. As you talk about those relationships for your wine sales, I'm I'm curious. What is it you look for in a winemaker? What is it you're What is it? What kind of winemaker are you looking for to buy grapes and have a relationship with? Yeah, um, that's a really good question. I think there's a lot of ways to answer that. Right? <laughs> Probably early on. Does anybody want to buy grapes with us at the point? But, uh, No, I, I look. I think people that like. One thing that we found is like people who you can work with, like you know, like the seasons and everything, and uh, the weather, especially like when you get to harvest time, like you know, you you, you want to be like saying, hey, well, let's pick a date and do that. Like I mean, you got to you know pick the weather, get the crew, like so people who understand that and and willing to work with you. You do the best you can with what you've got, and 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 I'm sure they're doing the same thing. Like you know, you you, you turn up there with you know ten ton of grapes and you know they their forklift's broken or what you know what I mean like it's just like things don't come out the way it is so I think trying to work as a team to sort of get to the end so I can get in the bottle eventually um so I, I think that definitely working relationship uh you know apart for us especially because we're new like people who would be happy to help provide some guidance instead mm -hmm. of just say look no 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 yeah. just help try this do this uh so that was big so you know Louisa uh, and Jim have been extremely great and sort of as it like you know, and Dave and Dave too. well Dave is our winemaker yeah. for sure just trying to help steer you know like how do we get your product to be what you want it to be mm -hmm. but also like Jim really understands I mean he's been buying the grapes for so long that he really understands the capacity of what the wine can be and so he has some I mean he has he knows the site better than we do and he knows what the grapes can do so um you know, he always says it's a really, our grapes turn out to be a really bold kind of red is red is red is what he says type of wine. Um, and I think it's really nice that we have the established relationships because they do know what our grapes can do. Um, and, you know, I think there's kind of an expectation of the quality and the farming style um, so that, you know, we do produce the type of grapes that we do. and. Um, you know, so far so good. We've hopefully continued that, but it's nice when other people, um, when the name kind of explains itself and the quality of the fruit as well. Um, and it's great that other people understand that, um, what our site can do really. It's interesting to me, as you mentioned that, because you talk about having Victor staying on mm -hmm. and having people like Jim and Louise have been buying your grapes for a long time. So there are people who know your site really well. Yeah. I, I'm curious. <laughs> Sorry. I'll okay. get out of here, Missy. Hi, sweetie. <laughs> uh, I'm curious uh, for you, the, the, learning, the process of learning your site. Uh, what, yeah. what, how comfortable do you feel with your site right now? And at what point, uh, what, what, what more do you need to learn? What are you looking forward to, to understanding better? Uh, well, uh, if you asked me that in January, I'd say I felt really comfortable. But considering <laughs> what you said, I'd be like, I don't really know what's going on. Yeah. It's been this year just like, 
it's a like a curveball that like you know we just had all that rain um and you know i think we all were just crossed our fingers until it we'll see what came out of it i think we all knew it was going to be different mm -hmm. but i mean like our, you know like this year is just so crazy like our clusters went from they shrunk to half the size like no and that's not just like that's the good clusters too right like we went from a great fruit set and phenomenally big clusters last year to half the size like why did it do that you know i mean you know so just uh so you know i mean you just can't preempt that um and uh but but, but at the same time i think you know with, with different pressures uh that are upon us that we can you know i, I think we've got got a good handle on how to sort of keep the site going and, and, and letting it do what it needs to do. Um, and then we just have to sort of ride out that sort of variability that comes uh, just with a, you know, an organic thing mm -hmm. producing through the season. So. But also we do a lot of work ourselves in the vines. I think with Victor and, you know, we drag our um, family and friends out when we really are crunch time to, you know, leaf pull or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So you know for me anyway um that's how i've learned it and i know certain blocks better because i'm you know usually in leaf point in this one or you know doing whatever we need to do in which block so that's how i've really learned it is you know we don't have a big crew it's us and our three-year-old boys on their little tractors and victor and um so really like it's how we've learned it is we just have had to get in there and do it from day one and luckily we both love to do the that type of work the farming and um, kind of hands-on so and that's actually been really fun for me because you know before we did all of this you know I enjoyed wine but actually farming it shows you what every little step that goes into producing a bottle um, so now my appreciation for it is skyrocketed because I know what goes into it I know like how you cross your fingers that it doesn't rain during bloom or <laughs> um, how we race at harvest to get everything in uh, you know weather dependent or um, if we have the crew to do it. So that to me has really been a, the fun part of, of it is really just doing it ourselves and um, jumping in from day one. We, yeah, so far we, and we try to keep that way uh, with like part of the philosophy where I guess we should have touched on was uh, uh, being a lot of the site being unrooted. So we do not try and bring in crews. We, you know, um, mm -hmm. which, you know, sometimes it would be great just to have, you know, a crew drop yeah. in here and just go through it because um, you know time when you either no rain's coming or mm -hmm, whatever mm -hmm. uh, but we try to avoid that so it makes life a little tougher and longer um, but at the same time I think you know gives that bit of insurance that we're not sort of dragging things on site and mm -hmm. so so far we and, and whether we can keep maintaining that with the extra blocks coming on is like just yeah, you know, we'll keep our own crews and and not be bringing in sort of external crews. Mm -hmm. Has the owner presented any kind of challenge beyond that at this point? So, so ha has having owner-rooted vines presented any further challenge to you at this uh, point? Not, not so far. I, I mean, I mean uh, from what I understand, like talking to other folks who have own-rooted old vines, like, you know, the flocks were a part of side. They're actually phenomenal. Like, you know, they're, they're very uh, centered. They, they, you know, they seem to sort of deal with the environmental uh, curveballs a lot better than the, the you know, um, grafted. Um, you know, and, and again, like, you know, uh, like, especially the old vines, like, uh, but, you know, th there's a, there's a risk there mm -hmm. and, uh, just trying to manage that the best we can. Mm -hmm. I'm curious about the, the challenge of moving toward organic from a, from a, I mean, a different kind of farming. What, what's the timeline on something like that? What, what are the kind of steps you take along the way? Yeah, I, I think, uh, well, one is we would sort of, again, I think the first part was tackling the use of glyphosate. You know, uh, which again, there was a big industry push anyway. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, we we tackled that this year, um, and uh, that definitely again you talk about learning. There's definitely things you learn along the way with that. <laughs> you know, jump in that part. Uh, so you know, uh, well, um, you know, can we get away from complete you know uh, herbicide, synthetic herbicides, and uh, fungicides? Uh, you know, that that'll be the driver, and I think that's again for us. You know being like you see like look, with the Scott Henry system you know more fruit bigger canopy mm -hmm. um, we'll, we'll see mm -hmm. how how we'll go I think you know it, it may be the reality is you know if we're going to go full organic we might have to go back to VSP mm -hmm. and I mean if that that's a choice we'll have to choose mm -hmm. uh, you talked really about about sort of automation as something you're looking at tell me about about that and how how you kind of experiment uh, and figure out how that's going to work for your future. Yeah, I, 
you know, I, I mean, I think equipment as equipment's developed. Like to me, um, I, I don't know whether we'll get to the harvest stage. I think that will be one of the last parts if we went to full automatic harvesting, especially with the, the you know, the clients we have uh, and how they how they utilise the product. So, um, so we respect that. Um, though it's something that we do think about as we put in new trellis systems to make sure that if we go, you know, we can go to that because I don't want to be retrofitting. Uh, mm -hmm. down the road mm -hmm. uh, so we do spend the extra energy and, and and capital to put the type of trellis in that can deal with you know heavier automation mm -hmm. um, that's harder on it uh, the other part like I think it's just again the the, the constant the, the huge attention I think n next year my, my focus especially with the seasons being the way they are is uh, looking at uh, leaf pulling automated leaf pulling mm -hmm. um, I think you know trying to be able to do that in waves and, and quicker like again, like that's the part is like, do you bring on a crew that we could pull leaf pull the side in a week, or do you you know invest in leaf you know in some automatic leaf pulling that you know, alleviates the crew, but but can hopefully then cover the time frame. Mm -hmm. Have you seen some more efforts from other parts of the industry? Are you, are you seeing other people doing similar planning? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, the people, and again, that's where the beauty of the industry is: people willing to share that sort of knowledge and everything like that. So. Uh, you know, um, you know, groups like Stoller, uh, other sort of management groups uh, that you know, we're connected to that uh, have definitely tried and tested, uh, you know, and, and are using that equipment. So I think that gives you a bit more assurity that you're not just the guinea pig. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, as, you've, as you've come to know the site, how would you describe its terroir? What, what, what is the terroir of Gemini Vineyards? Uh, that is a really good question, how we can sort of get there. I mean, uh, it, so, so first of all, like you know, which people think it's a negative, but we find out like these vines grow like crazy. Like the 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 vigor on these vines, like this side is so vigorous. Like uh, we just had Jim Prosser here, obviously different uh, you know um, block, but you know out we planted these last fall. He's got vines that don't look that good that are three year old. You know what I mean? And so the, the vigor on this side is fine, and that, that helps us drive to the Scott Henry and these higher yields. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's interesting in the industry, people think, uh, you know, the, the long common saying is like, you know, they need to be stressed, they need to be low yielding to get good quality. Uh, luckily for us, like the work that was done uh, with Dick Ponzi and, and Louisa and Dale back in the day to see like, can, can, is, does four tons an acre still produce good quality wine? I mean, uh, well, I mean, so Jim Jim produces Jim Pro JK Carey produces a single label Gemini Vineyard, ninety four points, four and a half tons an acre. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, uh, so <laughs> wow. The, the, to me, like, um, so the philosophy that like two tons an acre produces good wine, I, I think it's site specific. I don't, I don't prescribe mm -hmm. to that, and I think the beauty for me is I'm novice enough that I can say I don't prescribe. For that, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and really, like, it's up for me to prove everyone else that they're wrong. Um, so I think that, to, to me, that's a big part of, like, the, like when you say, well, okay, we do these vines grow phenomenally well. You know what I mean? Like, you know, a lot of the industry now, their tendrils are, you know, they're starting to die and drop off. Like, we're still steaming along. Uh, and just haven't had a drop of rain, really, for nearly, what's that, about six, seven weeks now. Um, and it's just so the fruit's very bold, very rich, very fruit forward, um, and uh, you know. And again, like the skins, you know, like a, a thick. It's a very thick skin that it produces. So, like the color when you can get it out uh, is ultimately extremely red, a real ruby. Obviously, you mentioned one of the one of the reasons for doing this was was the family the family farm yeah, having mm -hmm. your children. So, tell me about their role here and then sort of the, fa <laughs> the, fam the family, uh, how the family run business is, is working at, 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 that you planned. Well, we have three-year-old twin boys. <laughs> and so um, we have to do a lot of our farm work after hours, during nap time, during, you know. Um, and I like to think it's similar to what Dale and Marcella started when they had, you know, they had five kids. Um, we definitely will expect or hope that our boys are out there working with us um you know his kids grew up doing it and that's sort of our um goal too is that they know 
they have an appreciation for where they live and you know it was a lot of work to get here um so i think that you know right now they just drive around on their little tractors and let mom and dad do some work but we are also like you know luke's out on the tractor at 10 o'clock at night and we get up early to do what we need to do so mm-hmm. um but luckily we have um family around and some good friends and they know that we're just starting out they know we don't get crews in um so like last summer we had my and she let you know this is all on <laughs> by choice but um i had a big group of my aunts and my grandma who was like 87 come out and she's a great gardener so she's out there leaf pulling like crazy and they love it and we have work party days um so we're lucky we're lucky that people are around to help and they're excited about it um we did a little try to experiment about you know when we harvested our chardonnay last year um because it's a smaller block um could we do it ourselves it was our first one we had my cousin come up and help us um he's a surveyor so he helps us um plot out our new blocks and measure everything out so we know how and where to plant and um so it's really sometimes it's chaotic and we get whoever we can to help us and other times we get it under control and luckily this year we have a better idea of um the demand i guess mm-hmm. I, obviously i think that'll change every year but um the you know we know what to expect a little bit better so we're um learning but it's not as it's definitely still as busy it's just not as chaotic i think and i think we're getting a a better grasp of it but mm-hmm. luckily we have a, a good and and like luke said earlier like the people in this industry are incredible i mean we were we came in here and we're nobodies and we've had so many people reach out to us and say this is what we've done try this yes you can try our machine i mean mm-hmm. it's incredible like there's just we really thought there'd be a big sense of like competition and um between all the different vineyards and wineries but what we've learned very quickly is that's not the case and that it's more of a you know as if oregon does well everybody does well and it's really this group effort to make it um world renowned like it's getting mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. and so luckily we've had so much guidance and help with from really cool people um to you know newbies who just really wanted to live on land and love the site <laughs> So in terms of in terms of the does the does the family farm aspect does that help does that is that is that a part of the sale do, do people are people excited and attracted to you because you have this new to the new to the farm have the kids do, doing the thing on the on the vineyard is that something that appeals to people that helps people find you or, or build relationships yeah I think that uh, you know I think we're trying to we're trying to do it like it's not you know uh, I think there's definitely a lot of uh, you know I think there's definitely folks who love Wants, want to live on a vineyard but like happy to pay you know folks to look after the vineyard where uh, for us it's like we really want to make it our own and, and, and you know try and develop it into something that we can do and you know uh, you don't get that from standing back I think you need to sort of you know get into your el- up to your elbows and figure out and get the feeling of, you know other vines doing what they need to do what is, what's the weather telling you that sort of stuff. I think they think it's pretty funny because we just got chickens this this last spring. So we have chickens. We're planning on doing sheep and different things. And sometimes people look at us like, okay, <laughs> these people are, they've lost their minds. Um, but to us, like seeing our boys race around and, you know, chase the chickens. And um, I know it's to me a little bit more nostalgic because I remember doing that as a little kid on my grandparents' farm. And, you know, Luke grew up on property. So that's a, a big um, element of you know the Dehair family and uh, kind of what we hope for our boys so yes it's a vineyard but I think we also want have some aspirations to have a little bit of a homestead or whatever it may be that we um, try out different things because we've got some good space here you mentioned earlier uh, kind of making some wine yourselves or, or partnering with people to make wine. So tell me about that, that kind of project and what, where, where that is. has it started and where, where is it going? Uh, yeah, I, I, we, we uh, you know, we were able to get a ton uh, that we were able to take uh, last year to, to develop into uh, wine. Um, 
You know, I think the big driver is to have a product that you can say comes from our side. Uh, like I said, even though uh, Jim at JK Carrier produces a, 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 a label designate for, for here, um, it was just something that we can put our own name to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, not like it wasn't for us to get into the wine selling business so much, uh, but more to try and say, like, to give the site a little bit more identity. Mm-hmm. And I think also just to sort of like, you know, it, it gives you part of the, I think you really understand the whole process, right? You're in there, like a lot of your clients, uh, understanding the whole, you know, from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're lucky. And then, you know, I mean, I think the other part was, it, you know, it was a little bit more seamless for us because again, we, we, we became connected uh, with David Page. Um, uh, phenomenal winemaker and mm-hmm. you know so we, we it's not like we had to go hunting for someone to do it Dave was gracious enough that uh, you know he said he would help you know do some work with us um, and so it felt you know very just normal to be able to sort of you know go in that direction mm-hmm. and we also got a lot of push from people like you guys are close into town you guys have really good grapes you could easily sell it, why not? And I think that was kind of like, well, I don't know, why not? I mean, I guess, yeah. you know, we need to give it a go. And um, so we're kind of going through all the licensing and um, that process now, yeah. but we're, I think the we're, light is at the end of the tunnel we now. We haven't embraced the tasting room scenario yet. I think we'd be happy to sell some wine, but to get into the full commercial component <laughs> of it, I think, whether we ever get there or not. <laughs> It's interesting you talk about the first site, the site you were almost closing on. It's having that whole, all of those. Yeah. Was that part of the plan? No, it was, it, it, we sort of stumbled across it. It was, I think that's when we were looking, you know, we were at a large, there was a large sort of uh, walnut farm. Uh, and then, you know, we sort of, you know, I think the big step was I was talking to one of the biggest uh, nut growers in the region and just getting some ideas about what to do. And he knew the site we were looking at. And he's like, if I was you, I'd pull the walnuts out and put in grapes. And I was like, that's what I was like, well, if I'm going to do that, I'm also going to buy a vineyard now, like instead of what to lift from scratch. <laughs> so that's sort of, that's, that's that segue. And then that, that site was there and it was in a spot like, you know, like, you know, we've always been a big fan of El Cove and that region. And, and that was there and, and it was fully established and needed some work. But uh, the, the winery w- was there, but it wasn't, it was sort of. Yeah, a bonus, when really. You, yeah, I'd say you, it's a bonus. Because I have it when you get the winery, you, you really are a commercial site. You know what I mean? We're, 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 what we were looking for was really a home site. So um, so it wasn't the, the greatest choice. And that's why I think coming here, like the less complication, like it really is a home site with a vineyard, not a, not a vineyard that has a home on it. Uh, so I'm curious, uh, we're, obviously we're talking to you in, in August 2020, but we're dealing with COVID, and mm-hmm. that's what, so you're in a mask, uh, dealing with COVID and sort of uh, kind of fi- finding our way through it. I'm curious how it's affected uh, your wine lives, I guess, and lives in general, and maybe how it's affected uh, your, your view of the future for, for the industry or for yourself. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think every every industry is asking that question, right? What, what mm-hmm. is the future? Um, uh, so yeah, I, I, I think um, initially, like I, I was uh, worried to say what would happen, and then you know I, I think, and then how would we manage that into there? Like you know, you can't just tell a grapevine to say, can you produce half of what you did last year? Mm-hmm. Um, but like you know, it, whether whether we're lucky or not, like the the season seemed to have told itself to do that. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So yields will be lower across in general. Yeah. So. Uh, some of that is uh, going to naturally drive itself that way. Um, uh, so I, I feel like this year, like it is what it is. Everyone's, you know, I, I, my rationale would be everyone's, everyone's going through the same pain. It's not just us, the whole thing. So I think it's very grounding to think like, you know, whatever we're going through, so is everybody else from, mm-hmm. you know, from here down through California everywhere. So, um, uh, again, I think we're lucky who we're partnered with. People, like, again, like you think, who mm-hmm. do you work through? I think this is a really good test to figure out, uh, have you got the right partners and how yeah. are they willing to work with you through that? Um, so that, that's been really reassuring and uh, something we've felt really lucky as well. Um, the future, I, I, you're right, I'm, I'm trying to not get too wrapped up in, like, what is the future? Because I, 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 I don't, you know what I mean, who knows? I, 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 but we're lucky. We're lucky where we're 
small enough that we're pretty self-contained. So we, our main priority is to make sure that Victor is safe and he's got what he needs. And um, I think one concern that we have is how we're gonna work harvest this year. Mm -hmm. And we um, have been thinking about it and, and we're hoping that there's some, I think there's some industry sort of recommendations that are gonna come out about how we tackle that. But our site, um, because we're self-contained, we don't have, I mean, we'll have some challenge with harvest, but we don't have a big winery. We don't have, um, you know, we're not going through crush with different people. So I think we'll have to think about how we just stay safe during, you know, delivery and we do what our partners need us to do to stay safe. I mean, it's a weird year to be like, it's our second year. Luckily it's our second year and not our first year. Cause I think that would have just been really chaotic, but um, not that it's the new normal, but it's really made us think, you know, some things are, I don't know, like getting, making sure that we think ahead of getting our supplies that we need and whatever, um, so that we're minimizing our exposure because like Luke told us, told me the other day we were talking about it and he's like, you know, the vines don't stop. It's not like we can just say, you know, we'll cut it off and we'll catch up next year. I mean, we have to see the whole process out. Um, so we're lucky that we're outside and we're pretty small that we can just kind of do our thing. But, you know, it'll be really good to get the industry perspective on how we tackle this and how we do it together, which is where the, you know, the whole part about, you know, it's not a competition. Everybody's, um, that little girl, sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> um, it's not, it, you know, everybody's really saying, how are we going to do this together and figure it out? Mm -hmm. And we'll, we'll figure it out. You know, life goes on. We're going to have to figure it out. Um, but it's, I'm glad this isn't our first year doing this because it has been, it's, you know, it's stressful just in general. Like we have our family to think about and um, Victor's family and Victor himself. So mm -hmm. just really have to see how we go. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, it, there's a lot to play out, right? Yeah. So, uh, we'll see. It's really interesting coming from a public health background. Um, just, oh, I can imagine. Yeah, it's amazing. And I have, you know, some of my good friends are epidemiologists working in CDC stuff, doing the tracking. And so it's strange to be out of that um, arena at the moment um, and being in, you know, agriculture. So, uh, but it is a little bit strange to have my perspective and think oh, all, of all these different things that are happening and really be pulled out of that, um, that's been kind of odd for me. Mm -hmm. So uh, 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 pandemic aside, what, what do you see as you look ahead for Oregon wine? What's the industry going to look like over the next five or ten years? Uh, yeah, I think for our little bubble, I think that's, you know, hopefully I think the, I think the, rest, the whole bouncing of the restaurant industry, I think that's, you know, that's going to tell a lot, right? Um, that's my perspective, because it's such an avenue, especially for the higher end wines and things like that. You know, uh, you know, most most folks that we talk to is, uh, you know, people are doing okay, especially those that have avenues into sort of good retail. Um, you know, but at the same time, like you know, those really high, you know, the high end uh, pinots that people were trying to strive that you know the main avenues with you know cellar door and restaurants. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. um, you know, depending on what happens with that restaurant component, I think we'll we'll I think the whole pro could change the whole product mix of what people are driving to do. My my understanding from talking to folks this year is uh, you know like that sort of medium and lower tier wines like will be a big push compared to trying to create as many high tier wines. Um, because they just can move them, and so uh, you know, so that could that could actually quite you know um, change change the whole sort of dynamic of what people are trying to do. Um, yeah, I, I, we, with us because we're not we're, we're you know we're not on that retail side. We're not on the cust. You know, we're not selling uh, wine to individuals. Like, like you know, we're sort of more on what what we're hearing and seeing from you know mm -hmm. people who we're selling our grapes to. But, like, but we're lucky, like trying to manage a tasting room and all that in this environment, I feel, I feel for folks in there. But. Mm -hmm. but, I, but I've also seen a lot of creativity. I know you said outside of the pandemic, but I think that will, um, I think that creativity is going to carry through. I mean, it's amazing, you know, different things that we see on Instagram of wineries and vineyards, how they're still having people come out, but they have little cabanas set up and then mm -hmm. they have a tractor, like drive them out to the cabanas. Yeah. I mean, stuff like that's, you know, if you think about it, it's pretty ingenious and it's also 
a way for people to see your site better as opposed to just seeing the tasting room and you know maybe wandering here and there um or like you know the wine like the different wine shops i've seen you know they set up little seating areas and they're several feet apart i've been really impressed by the creativity of people um i'm not a creative brain so when i see stuff like that i'm always amazed because i just think well that's perfect you know like it's pretty ingenious to think about. It's a way also to showcase your property and the different things that you can do. Mm -hmm. Still have people come out on site, but be safe about it. So I think one thing that I think will be after this is, um, is the creativity will continue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'll embrace, I mean, it's happened all over, hasn't it? Like, you know, people utilizing social media more, people utilizing the internet more, mm -hmm. you know, trying to, you know, find a way to ship wine to people, get wine to people. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll see what, what... But people are always going to need wine, right? So well, they that's say the consumption. <laughs> that's what they say. Alcohol consumption's gone way up mm -hmm. through this pandemic. Can't say I blame that. Yeah. People are home with their families. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's yeah. So, I mean, and, and whether... It, it's gonna, That's where I feel like it'll be different. Um, it, and I think it'll just be de depending on, like, how what they look at selling through the products. So. So as you mentioned, this is just, just your second year uh, doing this. I'm curious, as you look ahead for yourselves, what do you see for your own future and for the future of Gemini? Are there goals you want to achieve? Are there, is there a size you want to be? Is there, is there anything you want to, want to add or is it just kind of continued growth? Uh, I, I think, look, as there are other blocks come online and uh, you know, the, the few uh, blocks that we put in this fall, I think just to start rounding ourselves out, we'll, you know, our production, um, you know, we'll go, we'll go from about 40 tons, uh, so we'll go up to around sort of 60 plus. Mm -hmm. um, so that extra third uh, will help us, see, you know, support more some of the folks that we have that are growing and ho hopefully continue to grow. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, but then hopefully uh, endeavour to, to sort of bring on another one or two partners. Um, uh, and then also I think it'll help us just, again, that sort of you know, we, we want to have our own offering again it, it's not again not looking to create a winery i think it's more about just trying to have more of that identity if people say what well, you know gemini wine um mm -hmm. and, and but also i think always keeping to say you know while we may have our own wine we stand behind the partners that you know mm -hmm. that sort of forge their way and, and do make a great product themselves so um i think it's just sort of trying to be, just round all that out it's amazing how many people like drive past and stop or ask like what time are you, when are you guys open today and it's like well we're not um, and Dale said that would happen you know and we have people drive through and take photos which is always a little bit odd but um, it, it will be nice to just have our our own bottle with our name on it just I mean it's to us it was a small goal just something to be proud of and mm -hmm. I guess have a you know not that we're making the wine but a lot of love goes into that, so I think it's nice to be able to show like this is us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm curious for you. You mentioned having a, a, a renewed appreciation for wine, having been a part yeah. of the process now. I'm curious if you are. Uh, do you do you taste the decisions? Do you, do you are you at the point now where you see like okay, this person's growing grapes this this way? Do you do you appreciate that more? Do you, do you taste? Uh, uh, that's right. It tastes like organic, organic decisions or, or... I don't know that I'm that... I, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely still learning. I think I have... I don't know that I could taste those different things. I definitely think I could know what variety... I mean, different varietals and, I mean, by no means could I say, oh, this is definitely organic <laughs> or, you know, we're live certified, nothing like that. Mm -hmm. But I, I have a better understanding of it's not just growing grapes crush or pressing them and putting it into a bottle. I mean, the time it takes these people to do these things and the gear that they have to have is incredible. And it's, you know, it's really not just growing the grapes. It's really not just making it. It's the entire process mm -hmm. and it really has to be streamlined to make it happen. So um, the amount, I think for me, it's more about the amount of effort that goes into it is incredible when I think, you know, when I, when we pop open a bottle, it's like, okay, is this Scott Henry? What's the type of, you know, it's stuff like that that we think about now, or we drive past vineyards and we're like, oh wow, they look, they're, everything's really nicely hedged mm -hmm. and what are they, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's more of just a, a bigger awareness of grape growing and viticulture in general. Um, the drinking aspect of it, I got a, I've got a lot to learn, even though I have a lot of experience, <laughs> but it is, it is a better appreciation for the whole process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I, yeah, I, I, 
I, even I don't taste like organic difference or biodynamic. But when I see the word organic, I appreciate that they most probably did 10 times more sprays than I did. <laughs> so I definitely understand, like a... The tractor works Yeah, it's that. definitely, you know, that the word organic comes with a lot more work and a lot more stress. So, uh, but yeah, well, uh, yeah, the whole, I think the, the journey, again, I think that's one of the beauties of the, whether it's like the what the journey you know what i mean like the, and that's you know whether for our boys like as they come with it with us whether they mm -hmm. choose to pick that up themselves or not you know uh who knows but uh but even our family like luke's brother's starting a vineyard in tasmania because he's come here and <laughs> he came for a vacation here and we put him to work pulling the canes down during pruning <laughs> so you know stuff like that where i think a lot of just our friends and family see now how much work goes into it because they've watched us or they've helped mm -hmm. that um just in general i mean and that's also a bonus of being part of this is to help people understand what it takes to get into it or what goes into that bottle um and i you know we were one of those people that we appreciated it and loved it but we had no really in-depth understanding and that's been kind of fun to have people be part of that there is an interesting question you talked about, like the appreciation for organic, especially. I'm curious, is that something that gets relayed to customers well? Do customers understand? How do you educate customers uh, on, on, on people who drink the wine on how much more work it is to be organic? I think uh, that, that's interesting because, like, some people like want organic no matter what, like whether it tastes good or not, because of just the perception of like, well, if I drink organic, it's safe. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it's safer, more wholesome, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, that component. Um, and then you, you know, but the, it, you know, the people, the, the the point comes down to is like, is it worth more? Do you know what I mean? Other would they pay more for it? Mm -hmm. uh, you are. It, it's interesting. Does it taste different? Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Um, uh, I think that's a big. Uh, I think you'd get a big debate with people on that yeah. because people who are not organic can say our wine tastes just as great. At, you know, and so I'd be curious. As, I mean, because we're not wine. You know, we're not winemakers, so I'd love to get to see head to head and see what they'd say about yeah. that but i mean like i think like the, you know when, when i like when i think organic i think of the spray program right because mm -hmm. it's a big part of the organic notion but i mean but it's 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 way bigger than that like you know like i mean how many farmers are you know going head to head with that you know all their gophers right and like you know the difference between going around gas and gophers or you know trying to you know trying to put in more nesting boxes for owls and eagles and things like that mm -hmm. you know i mean like i think it's more how do you it's more the drive towards sustainability and not trying to have to, you know, bend in with nature instead of mm -hmm. trying to just push it off. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And also, if we want to do this for the next 20 years, we really have to take care of the land we're on and the, you know, be really cognizant of we're not, I mean, although we are out in the country, we're still part of a bigger community. We're on well water. Mm -hmm. So we really have to think mm -hmm. about that. And things that I never really thought of before, like, you know, how a neighbor a mile away or, you know, half a mile away spraying their blackberries can drift over and affect our grapes. You know, you really think about things a lot, a lot more um, holistically now mm -hmm. because whatever is in the environment will affect our crop or our, you know, and we think about that with our kids. We, you know, we want to be really cognizant of, and that's why we're getting away from certain things that we have used in the past, but um, we're part of a bigger, I guess, the scheme of things mm -hmm. we're not just our own gemini vineyards we're part of a bigger community and we really and that's you know th that's a, another beauty of oregon you know i think we have a really good green press prospect and um mm -hmm. people have a good understanding as to why we need to be um considerate of different things but that's really something that luke and i small things that we think about all the time goes into our decision making mm -hmm. yeah i mean who knows uh, like you think about like whether like the, the what we're in at the moment with COVID, uh, people, I think people will, will, will naturally lean towards organic style, you know, mm -hmm. uh, farming. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, the same thing, it's just got to be balanced out on the reality of what mm -hmm. you can and can't do. But I mean, people are doing organic and it works. Mm -hmm. so. mm -hmm. That's all the questions that I have for you too. Is there anything I didn't ask that I should have? Anything we didn't cover here? Oh, you covered a lot. Yeah. Most of us ask more things than we uh, tend to try and think about all in one day. <laughs> Sorry. Does put some thoughts in your brain, yeah. like, oh, yeah. Good. Well, good. I, yeah. Hopefully not too painful. No, not at all. I mean, everyone's part of it. stories are, is unique. It actually is really fun to see your guys, you know, who all you're, you've interviewed and 
different perspectives. Um, it's been really cool to see. Good. Excellent. Well, thank you. That's awesome. And thank you both for your time, for your stories, for your yeah. hospitality on this yeah. perfect day. Yeah, not too yeah, hot. Not it's too hot. I mean, you picked a great day. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll go ahead and let you off the hook. Thank All right. So thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. And thank you to all the supporters, partners, donors, and interviewees who have made our project a success. Be sure to check out our website at OregonWineHistoryArchive.org for more interviews, plus photographs, wine labels, and more. And stay tuned for more interviews as we tell the story of Oregon wine. The Oregon Wine History Archive podcast is brought to you by the Oregon Wine History Archive at Linfield University. The executive producer is Kiana Anderson. Producers are Rich Schmidt, Rachel Woody, Stephanie Hoffman, and Camille Weber. Special thanks to all the Linfield Archive students who have assisted on our oral history interviews.